Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta joining me on today's podcast as Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writers, why Tran Bowie? Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. <laughs> Hello. I'm sorry. My cat is making like a million <laughs> noises, and it's just, he sounds like he's dying, and it's Aww. very distracting. He's a drama queen. He is. He's a he's a bastard. I hate his guts. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Let, let's dive into the news. Let's talk about uh, this this TV series that was announced today, a Suicide Squad spinoff. Chris, tell us about it. Ah, uh, yes, it's called Peacemaker, and it's going to star uh, John Cena, who is in the film as Peacemaker, and the show is going to either be a follow-up or a prequel we don't know but uh we do know that that james gunn who is directing the suicide squad uh wrote all the eight episodes of the upcoming series and he's going to, to direct some of them as well and it will be on uh hbo max who is also handling the the batman spinoff series about the gotham police force okay you mentioned this could be a prequel this could be a sequel like what do we know well, the, the official log line says it's a uh, it is going to explore the character's origins, which sure sounds like it's uh, a prequel. But James Gunn is being um, cagey on Twitter dot com. So we don't really know. I personally think he's just trying to save face because the Suicide Squad doesn't come out until next year. And he doesn't want to be like, yes, this character definitely dies in my movie. You won't get to see for a few months, but uh, I guess we'll see. What do we know about this character? Uh, he is <clears throat> some. He is described as a master of weapons, and also he's quote a man who believes in peace at all costs, no matter how many people he has to kill. End quote. So he's like, I guess he's like ultra violent Captain America. I guess I, I, I'm unfamiliar with Peacemaker as a character. Uh, is it strange that they're announcing a spinoff TV show before this movie even comes out? I mean, not really. I mean, they did, they did the same thing with with the Batman thing, and I I, oh, yeah. I really think they're trying to just build up 
this world they have, you know, Marvel has been reigning supreme all these years and Marvel has a bunch of Disney plus shows coming out. And, you know, Warner brothers is like, you know what, let's, we need to get in on this action as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Disney, let's talk about the latest star Wars director to be replaced <laughs> in a long, la- long, long line of star Wars directors, uh, you know, getting replacements, uh, the director of the rogue one spinoff series, uh, Tony Gilroy is stepping down as the director of that show. Ben, what do we know? Yeah, so it, it sounds a little bit more contentious when you put it like that than it than it <laughs> seems to actually be. Yeah. Because uh, according to this story, basically Tony Gilroy, he lives in New York and he had to decide whether he was going to or was, was comfortable enough to travel over to the UK to start shooting this show, this Rogue One spinoff that follows... Uh, Diego uh, Luna's Cassian Andor character. And he just decided that it would be better if he stayed in New York. Um, So he has been replaced by a director named Toby Haynes, who has um, directed episodes of Doctor Who and uh, Sherlock, the BBC Sherlock series. He's also maybe like the perhaps the most widely thing, widely seen thing that he's directed is the USS Callister episode of Black Mirror, which is one Mm. of the show's best episodes, I think. Um, so he, I guess, was was one of those guys who was like theoretically going to be directing multiple episodes of the show anyway. And Tony Gilroy just decided, all right, I'm just going to stay in the U.S. instead of traveling right now because of the coronavirus. And um, Tony Gilroy is actually still involved as a showrunner and executive producer of the show. Um, so he's not like stepping away. He's not, you know, he hasn't been replaced or swapped out like so many other star wars filmmakers have been over the past you know five plus years but um but yeah that's where we are i mean i i do kid uh but i I do want to play devil's advocate here i want to go with the conspiracy uh angle here ben uh i imagine that disney could have gotten tony gilroy like a private plane right they would just like house him in the pilots to get him to London and London is doing much better than New York is doing with the coronavirus. So, you know, I'm not going to question anybody and what they feel is safe for them, but I, I feel like this is more of a, like less of a question of like wanting to travel and more of a question of like not wanting to work during these times. Yeah. It could could be that it could also be that, you know, it's not just him. Maybe he has a a family that, that he's trying to, you know, he doesn't want to like pick up his whole family and move them uh, over to a different country. It could be a whole, a whole host of different things, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, when when you're on set, you're coming into contact with a lot of people. So I I, I could definitely see that being the thing. I, I just find it, it's interesting that uh, there's a couple people that have like dropped out of shows and stuff like that because they didn't want to travel was the, you know, the line, but it's, it, I don't know. It seems more to me that like the, the real danger would be the production. Itself. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's just a, a catch all that sort of, it all means the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so what do you think now that the show is uh, being helmed by the guy that did that black mirror episode? I mean, I, I really like the stuff that I've seen of his. He's he's a big TV guy. He's, he's directed a ton of episodes of, of different TV shows and stuff like that. And like I said, I really love that Black Mirror episode. Um, the the Sherlock episode that he directed was season two's The Reichenbach Fall, which is the uh, season two finale, which I really, really love that episode. And there's this really memorable face-off between Sherlock and Moriarty in that episode. And I thought that was really exceptionally well handled. So, um, I mean, he certainly has the chops. Uh, I'm, I remain curious to see like, 
whether or not anybody is going to care about this show beyond diehard Star Wars fans because we already know what happens to Diego Luna's character and like what kind of uh, themes and, and stuff like that are they going to be exploring here? What is the the hook beyond just uh, you know the the basic logline of the show? That that's the thing that I'm still waiting to discover about this series. Well, I think one of the most compelling scenes of Rogue One was that scene early on, which was the reshoot, I think, by Tony Gilroy, uh, where it features uh, Cassian Endor's character like undercover, and he has to end up killing someone. Like he he's having to do bad for the the cause, mm-hmm. and I, th- I I'm guessing we're gonna get a lot more of that kind of thing in the show, which kind of excites me, uh, because you don't usually see that dark side of the rebellion, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so um you know the coronavirus is re- wrecking havoc across this world, uh, but it's also wrecking havoc across uh, the 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 industry of TV and movies and. Uh, it looks like Disney has decided to delay almost everything. HD, tell us about it. Yeah, Disney has pushed back its almost its entire fall theatrical release schedule by several months. It's moved films like Marvel's Black Widow and Steven Spielberg's West Side Story to 2021. Um, Kenneth Branagh's Death on the Nile, which was originally set to premiere in theaters in October 2020, has been pushed back to December. And 2021 films like Shang-Chi and Eternals have been moved deeper further back into 2021. The only movie that stays in its fall release slot is Pixar's Soul, which stays in um, late November, despite earlier reports that it would likely have been delayed or dropped on Disney+. Um, But with this move, with it being like the only Disney film being released in the fall, it seems like it's only a matter of time before it inevitably gets dropped on Disney+. So what do we have for the remainder of this year? So we have Soul, which could definitely be transitioned to Disney+. Plus. We have the James Bond movie, uh, No Time to Die. Is that still in November, I think? It's still November, but it's also probably going to move back at some point. Yeah, The Crudes, that could definitely transition into PVOD. Um, uh, Free Guy, I guess. Dune. <laughs> uh, Coming to America 2, Death on the Nile, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. So we do got a bunch of films in December. Yes. It seems like those are waiting. They're holding their, their ground for now. But uh, do, do we think they're going to stay there? HJ? I honestly don't think so. I think it's only like a matter of time before they push them back to 2021. West Side Story got moved back a full year. It's It was in December 2020 and now it's December 2021. So it feels <sighs> like a, a bunch of other big movies like wonder woman 1984 is kind of the last holdout uh from this from warner brothers in terms of just like this this uh fall winter release date so i feel like if they push that back everything else will follow dune will definitely follow so once that happens if it happens i'm not a i'm not a, a predictor of the future but if that happens then we'll probably see all the disney films follow as well Chris, you wrote this whole article asking the question, how will movie theater survive in 2021? And I wanted you to talk a little bit about that because, you know, I mean, it seems like a good thing. All these movies are moving to 2021, but will they even be released then? I mean, yeah, I I don't have... I really don't have any answers here. I mean, the, 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 but the biggest question is, will theaters survive much longer? Because, you know, as you guys are just saying... So many titles uh, have been pushed to 2021 and 
the few remaining titles that are still hanging on to 2020, there's a very good chance a lot of them will get shuffled as well. And uh, that begs the question, how are theaters going to keep going? I mean, uh, as of now, we've only really had one big movie release date, uh, you know, after the coronavirus, and that's uh, Tenet, which came out. Uh, what is it? September still? I can't remember. This month. <laughs> it came out this month, and it did not really do that well. You know, it wasn't a flop, but as far as Christopher Nolan movies go, it it really underperformed, and that's, you know, due to several reasons. One is that, you know, it couldn't play everywhere. Some states haven't opened their theaters yet. And another is, you know, some people just don't feel entirely safe going back to movie theaters. And when uh, Tenet underperformed, um, other studios took note. Uh, the head of Sony even went on record saying that, you know, until it can be guaranteed that everyone can see, you know, their, their $200 million plus movies, they're not going to be releasing them. You know, they, they want the widest audience possible. And if they can't have that, they're not going to release the films. So all this comes back to the main question. You know, if, if there are no movies, how are movie theaters really going to survive much longer? And, you know, I, I go into various theories on, you know, what they could do now. And uh, again, I really don't have any answers. I mean, what, what are your theories? Like, will movie theaters shut down again? Uh, a part of me thinks that is going to happen, but I don't think anyone wants to come right out and say that. You know, they could keep showing older films. But again, if if a big new movie from Christopher Nolan isn't enough to get audiences out, what's going to make them, you know, risk their lives to see stuff they can just watch at home? Uh, Chris, and, go the Goonies. Everybody's uh, going to go see the Goonies. That's right. The Goonies will save us all. And um, uh, Ben <laughs> reached Goonies out. Goonies never say die. <laughs> <laughs> ouch ben reached out to um the head of uh, or the vice president and chief communications officer of nato which is the national association of theater owners and uh he had a lot of um long detailed quotes i'm not going to read them all here but it boils down to you know some theaters uh he said quote some theaters have lines of credit that they can tap and keep going until they have new movies and some do not. And then, you know, he boiled it all down to, quote, the waiting is not good for studios or theaters. At a certain point, we need those movies. So, you know, he's saying they can hold on a little bit longer there. But if this keeps up, if this is something that just keeps going, we're going to hit like a, you know, a point of no return here where theaters, you know, certain theaters just have really no way to survive if they don't have big movies to show. Then what? Like, honestly, like, let's consider a future that, like, half the movie theaters that are out there go away. Right. Like, what is the movie release landscape going to look like? I mean, <laughs> the options are, you know, maybe more drive-ins could open up. But again, you can't have a drive-in all year round in certain states. You know, like, you can't have a... You can't have a year long drive, year round driving in, you know, like New England. It gets too cold. And uh, another option would be, and honestly, this seems like the best option, but I know a lot of studios don't want to give into this. It would be to embrace premium VOD. And again, I know that gets everyone very angry and people, you know, they, they like to talk about the, the sanctity of the, the theatrical experience, but that's all well and good, but it's it's useless if there aren't movie theaters. So we can but either. The, but, but that's not going to save movie theaters. That's just going to save studios. Right. 
I'm not saying there is a way to save theaters. Honestly, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I find it very hard to believe there's, there's a, uh, uh, a way to come back from where this is now. I mean, there's, <sighs> I don't want to, I don't want to get doom and gloom here, but there's really no friggin' plan for what to do about the virus. Like it's, it's not going anywhere. And, you know, certain people can get on TV and talk about, miracle vaccines that they'll pump out somehow miraculously before the election, but that's really not going to happen or be feasible. So, but we, we do need to account that the cases are down or at least they're down in California. Are they down across the country? I think it, they are. It, it depends. There are some places that are experiencing um, sudden spikes and not just in the U S either. I mean, Canada who seems like they had things under control are suddenly experiencing spikes so it just seems like there's a there's an ebb and flow here. And then you have to take into account that we're heading into winter and winter brings with it flu season. So we're going to have both, you know, COVID still sticking around and then we're going to have flu season. And who knows, you know, how the hell that's going to work out. So, yeah, and I think doctors have theorized that in in the cold environment that COVID will will go up as well. Right. So you, you know, it's that's easier to be transmitted. So. Yeah, so it's again. I don't want to get all doom and gloom here and say we're we are uh, fucked, but <laughs> things don't don't look that great right now. And uh, you know, as 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 the more these big movies keep getting pushed, the less likely it is that theaters are really going to hold on. And the only way I could see this tying into theaters surviving with the the premium VOD thing is to strike up deals you know, between studios and theaters where they turn their theaters into virtual theaters. And I've seen this happen with smaller independent, you know, not AMCs, but, you know, smaller local theaters where they, they have virtual screenings where, you know, you buy a ticket and you watch it on their website and, you know, that could work maybe, but again, it, it all depends on who wants to play ball. And the frustrating thing is it seems like as far as, you know, studios and movie theaters go, they keep taking a uh, let's wait and see approach. Like none of them want to actually be proactive about this. And we heard it all summer long, like, ah, tenant will open things will get back to normal. And obviously that didn't happen. And rather than sort of like plan ahead or at the very least release what their plans are, we're all just waiting around again. And, and I, I think that's a mistake, but what do I know? I'm not a wealthy theater yeah. owner or studio executive. Uh, let's do around the table right now. I just want to check in with you guys and find out when, when are you ready? When would you be willing to go back to the movie theater? Like in a public non like press, you know, screening event, or you have bought out the theater like I did in, in Vegas. Uh, Ben, when would, when are you prepared? To uh, um, it's going to be a while. Uh, I just, I, I don't know, like once there's the vaccine and then like probably half a year after that for, for there to be enough time for people to get it and, and uh, you know, for things to, I, I, it's like, it's so hard to sit here and be like, ah, I'm guessing December 2021 is about when I'll be ready because like who knows what what the progress of this thing is going to is going to be and like how long it'll actually last before um, things, you know, start to drastically improve. But, you know, if, if things are even remotely close to where they are now, um, I know that there are just a lot of folks out there who are just like, we got to get back to some semblance of normalcy. We got to learn how to live with this virus and all that. And for me, that does not include 
going to movie theaters because I just don't think that it's something that I want to do with me or, or my family or anything like that. So, um, HD, what do you think? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you, Ben. I think after a vaccine and long after a vaccine, because we know how uh, America reacts to things that are responsible and um, mm. there and uh, common common sense to do. So I I think yeah, at least three months, maybe yeah, half a year, like you said, after a vaccine has been developed and is proven to be effective. Otherwise, I really don't want to put myself in that situation where I would potentially either uh, contract COVID or, you know, put people in danger of contracting COVID. So that's something that I think is going to be a while away and something there's like, yeah, no, no set date for. It's just, uh, <laughs> I wish this country was better at, at controlling, yeah. at doing anything. At everything. Yes. yes. The country should be better at literally everything. Chris, what about you? I know you notably don't even like going to the movie theater. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, I, I went and saw a tenant at a press screening and there were like five people there and uh, that seemed OK. But even that was like still awkward because, you know, you got to keep your mask on the entire time. And it's it's you know, it's very weird to watch a mask through it, to watch a movie with a, a mask on for, you know, two plus hours. Um, yeah, I, I guess I would say whenever there's a vaccine and that vaccine has been readily distributed, not just, you know, Donald Trump gets on TV and says, I have a wonderful vaccine that I just made up. You know, it has to be a real vaccine that, that <laughs> doctors agree on and that has, you know, widespread availability, you know, when that happens, which might not happen until like 2022 for all we know, uh, that's probably, I think, I think they're saying like six months at this point, but, even then, Chris, even then, like, I think some of the best vaccines are only like, what, 70 percent? Right. Or and something like have, that. And then you have, you know, there's a there's a subset of this country who uh, just refuse to accept vaccines are a thing. So you have to worry about that. And I, I don't it's a it's a mess. <laughs> it's a big mess. Things are bad. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm ready to return to a movie theater in a crowded setting for probably, you know, a year. Uh, I, I think I would be okay. Cause you know, I did go to the theater with my friends. We rented out a theater. I think I'd be okay. Like I have a theater down the street and if like a big release that I really wanted to see was out and I could buy tickets, you know, on the app 10 minutes before and see that there's only like one other people, you know, only a couple other people in there. I think I would be okay with that, but I don't know. I really don't know when I'm going to be ready to go back to the movie theater in a crowded in environment. And I think that's saying something that all four of us, like we love movies. You know, uh, I think uh, if you combine how many movies we watch in a year, it's probably what, like a thousand or something. <laughs> um you know, we watch more movies than I think generally anybody does. We write about movies for a living and we're not ready to go back. That's, I think, saying a lot. And that's uh, scary. It's scary for the future of movie theaters because, you know, <laughs> unlike Chris, I, d I do have a, a nostalgia. I, I, I have a love 
for you know seeing something on the big screen. No, no, no. I love watching movies on the big screen. It's being surrounded by people. people I don't like. So <laughs> if I can see see a movie on a big screen in a completely empty theater, I love it. But if there's people there, no, thank you. You know what the solution is, Chris? You're just gonna have to build your own single person theater, maybe on the roof with, of your own with home. Me. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's do yeah. this right now. I, we're gonna. It's it's official. It's happening. No one is allowed in either. That's the whole point of the theater. Even legit. <laughs> yeah. Not but, even slash one. Just us. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on from the coronavirus. Let's talk about Ryan Gosling's new project. HD, tell us about it. Yes, for his next stunt, Ryan Gosling will be playing a stuntman. He is set to be star to star in an untitled stuntman drama directed by David Leach. Sorry, is it Leitch or Leach? Is I I probably should look this up beforehand. It is I've, Leech. I've always said Leach. Okay. Yeah. David Leach, uh, who himself is a former stuntman turned director, the director behind Deadpool, Deadpool 2, and Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, Universal Pictures has landed the right to this untitled stuntman film. And um, Drew Pierce, who has teamed up with Leach before to write uh, Hobbs and Shaw, is set to pen the script. Uh, this was a, a package at the center of a pretty heated bidding battle between um, Netflix, Paramount, Universal and MGM and Universal apparently shelled out seven figures for this movie. So we don't know much about it other than that. But uh, The Hollywood Reporter's Boris Kitt does uh, say that the project was formerly called The Fall Guy and was set to be a big screen take on the Lee Majors 1980s TV series, uh, which followed Hollywood stunt performers who moonlight as bounty hunters. But it's unclear whether this uh, take will be the same after Universal has landed it. And uh, this isn't the first time that Ryan Gosling has played a stuntman, right? Like, didn't he play a stuntman in Drive? He played a stuntman in Drive and in The Place Beyond the Pines. So it seems like oh, yeah. he's, uh, yeah, he's he's three for three now. And he's uh, he seems to have an affinity for the uh, the uh, career. You know, the, the world of stuntmen, like, there should be more documentaries and stuff about that. And I, I think the reason why there isn't is because I think if people actually knew what these people go through and the risks that they take that uh there'd be probably more regulations on what can be done in stunts because in many cases it's it's very much like you know the guys on jackass where it's it's you know there's you know there's education there's precautions but it's really a guy being put putting his safety on the line for you know to tell a story on a in, in a movie or tv show it's it, it's craziness um like tom cruise famous stuntman tom cruise <laughs> i think there was a uh, a very recently released documentary um i think it was called stunt woman peter and um michelle rodriguez oh, yeah. uh was like a part of it and maybe did the narration for it too so that uh, at least a glimpse into that world does exist but i think you're right i think if it was like you know if there were five mainstream documentaries about it and and it was like uh the the true trials that these people go through seeped into the culture. I think you're probably right that, that like more regulations would be put on it. There's yeah. that great um, Lee Pace movie, The Fall, uh, from 2006, which isn't a stuntman drama per se. It's about a stuntman who's hospitalized and tells like this fantastical story to this young girl um, as a way of escaping sort of the realities of the like the physically the the, sh the challenges the of the hospital yeah, the challenges of, yeah basically of being like hospitalized so it's it's a really great movie it's really um beautiful and yeah there aren't that many movies about um stuntmen in general 
Yeah, didn't um the guy that did the stunts for uh the Indiana Jones movies, Vic Armstrong, he either had a book or a documentary. I forget which. I'm guessing it was a book because I don't think I ever saw it. But yeah, um, yeah, look that up. Vic Armstrong. Okay, anyways, uh, let's move on to our final story for today. Uh, that is The Mandalorian Season 4, which I didn't even know was announced, but apparently <laughs> that's when we're going to finally get answers. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so, you know, The Mandalorian Season 2 is about to come out next month. Uh, October 30th is when it drops on Disney+. Plus. Uh, season 3 has been in the works for a while. We've written several stories about it. John Favreau has mentioned that he has been working on the scripts for a while, um, season four, we didn't know was going to be a thing, but in a recent interview with Giancarlo Esposito, who plays Moff Gideon in the show, he hinted that, uh, yeah, not only a third season was coming, but a fourth season is on the way. And season four is quote, where you're really going to start to get answers. So, um, that's a little bit frustrating for people who I imagine would like <laughs> to know a lot about maybe the backstory of the child, AKA baby Yoda. And like, what, what planet it's from and all of that kind of stuff like the the deep questions uh star wars lore questions that have been posed already in season one uh and certainly as season two comes along and, and sort of weaves in all of these characters from clone wars and rebels and all these other shows um I, i'm guessing a lot of other questions are going to get posed there as well and it seems like Favreau is going to be holding off um, and and sort of delaying that satisfaction for uh, at least, what, two more seasons? And then finally, maybe in season four, you're going to start to get real answers. So um, that's the... But did we expect to get any answers? Like, I feel like nobody watching the season one of The Mandalorian, like, got done with that and was like, oh, next season we're going to find out about where the child is from and see other Yodas and like I, I feel like that's like if you watch the first season of Lost and you're gonna be like, next season they're gonna tell us everything about this island. Well, I was just thinking about Lost actually, because uh I'm in the middle of a rewatch of it right now and and I think Lost is actually a good example because like the end of season one, they discover this hatch and they're like, what the hell is this thing? And season two actually does go a long way into explaining what the hatch is, but it just introduces new mysteries that then <laughs> get delayed. And then, you know, it's constantly answering questions that it, that it poses. Um, and it's sort of like this daisy chain structure along the way. And I, I wonder if the Mandalorian is going to take that approach or it's really just going to sort of like pose a bunch of questions and then like wait multiple years before it eventually does like a whack-a-mole thing where it just finally starts answering them all one right after the right after the next you know yeah i I love lost but i feel like the problem or one of the problems with loss is for every answer that they every question that they answered they asked two new questions so eventually there was just so many questions left unanswered for that final season and that final season that's the fun of it peter i know i know (laughs) But I, I feel like that's what people are annoyed with Lost. I, I really like Lost, but I, I do, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if this would bother me that we're not going to get answers. I, I just hope that it's not, you know, every episode is just like another adventure on another planet and doesn't continue this. Like, I just want more serialized storytelling in The Mandalorian. I want um to learn more about these characters. I want to learn more about how he has the dark saber. I want to, you know, I want, I want all that. I'm okay. Not seeing, you know, baby Yoda's family or home planet or, or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm okay. You know, keeping the ending of ET until season four, or season five of the Mandalorian. 
where all the little baby Yoda or all the Yodas like come and, you know, reclaim the child or what, whatever it's going to be. I, I, I doubt that's going to be it. I mean, I know uh, you guys aren't like the hugest fans of the show, but I don't even think that's the ending of the show. It seems very clear to me that the ending of the show is, or maybe even the season is the Mandalorian trying to find, you know, these sorcerers, these Jedi to leave this child with. And then once he actually finds them, he's going to, you know, the journey along the way is learning that he is the place where this child belongs. Right. Yeah. But then, then what, I guess is the question. So uh, maybe that's what we'll find out in season four. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll learn how Palpatine has returned. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) okay that does it for today's slash home daily you can find more of all of our work at slash home.com you can find this podcast on itunes google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please feel free to send your feedback questions comments concerns to us at peter at slash home.com and rate and read this podcast on itunes tell your friends spread the word and we will see you on friday the dead speak